This is Focal Point for Monday the 23rd of February 2009. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you? Uh, I've got a bit of a cough, Gihan, so I'm going to apologise in advance for any spluttering that might uh, be captured on the podcast. How are you? Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy and I hope I don't catch a cough virally, <laughs> <laughs> which is not likely to happen, but actually it's interesting because we're going to be talking about sharing stuff on the internet today and uh, hopefully it won't be sharing infectious diseases, but it'll be it's this concept of cloud computing, which is, which is going to be our topic for the day. And I, I think it's one of those things that is... I, I'm, People may not have heard of the term cloud computing, but you're probably using it even without realizing it. And it's something that in our first podcast for the year we predicted. Both of us made predictions that more and more stuff is going to be available in the cloud. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, My big prediction for last year was that more and more people are going to be going more mobile. So there'll be more mobile devices accessing the Internet. And that's obviously come true. And that's all related to the cloud as well. Um, so maybe we should start, Chris, with the definition of what cloud computing is. Okay. Well, before we started the podcast, you thought the best way to illustrate pod- uh, not podcasting, cloud computing would be via an, an analogy rather than a, a strict definition because there's a lot of uh, debate about what cloud computing really is and coming up with an official definition is a bit troublesome. So do you want to uh, give that analogy you had, Gihan? Yeah, yeah. That's, I was thinking about how, how do we describe this, and I, I remember as a kid getting the World Book Encyclopedia. We had a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman come along one evening. I remember we were sitting at home, and he came along, and he had the World Book Encyclopedia. I guess he must have had a full set with him. And we were in primary school, so the, the thing that attracted my parents was not just the whole World Book Encyclopedia, but the child craft that came along with it. And we bought it, and uh, I remember we just referred to that all the time. And um, so those were in the days when encyclopedias were available on books. And uh, it meant that we always had it. It was on the shelf. Um, books don't fail. They don't have software incompatibilities and stuff like that. Um, and that's the way we used to find out information in the oh when was that the late 70s early 80s and now of course the probably the world's biggest encyclopedia Chris is Wikipedia which is an online encyclopedia and unlike the world book and those old child craft um, Wikipedia is completely up to date it's uh, up being updated all the time. It's instantly accessible from my computer. But, of course, there's some problems as well. Like if the Internet's down, then I don't get access to it. And uh, if the, the information on there, I have to trust that that information has been put on there by trusted people. And uh, if Wikipedia goes down for some reason, then I don't have access to it. So I guess that's a, a simple analogy for the difference between cloud computing, which is like Wikipedia, and non-cloud computing or traditional computing, which is like having uh, books in your library. Yeah, yeah, a good analogy. When I was looking around for a definition, now that we've we've illustrated with a good analogy, the definition that I came across that I like like best was one that said uh, that cloud computing was the providing of software, data, and IT resources via the Internet. And so in that sense, uh, Wikipedia, which we've just uh, talked about, is uh, an example of a cloud computing service, an encyclopedia that we can access and update as well via the internet. 
you might say, well, what's so special about that? But I guess he's saying we're now going to be using the internet more and more for things that previously we would have just run off our own computer. Things like word processing and spreadsheets and creating PowerPoint presentations. In the past, we would have run them on our computer and maybe uploaded them to the internet. But now it's getting to the stage where we don't even have the files on our computers anymore. All the services and the software that run them are available online. Yeah, that's right. So in your analogy, rather than uh, the, the analogy that you used with encyclopedias, well, rather than buying software and having it and owning that software and installing it on your computer and making sure that it runs, instead of that, with cloud computing, you simply uh, get access to, you either pay for that access or it might be provided freely to an online service that uh, provides that software software service to you. So you don't have to buy and own the software and maintain it. You simply uh, access a third party's version of that software running somewhere on the internet. It seems very attractive, doesn't it, Chris? It seems that all of those things that you mentioned are, are big positives. It means that you don't have to, uh, as you say, buy software. You don't have to worry about things like backing up data and being sure that your data is safe on your own computer. If you have more than one, you don't have to worry about syncing them. So you don't have to synchronize your iPhone with your laptop, with your PC network, with all of that, uh, because it's all being managed out there in the cloud. Um, but of course, there's some downsides as well, and we'll, we'll talk about them. So, so today, what we're going to do is talk about the pros and cons, and perhaps, yeah. perhaps give you a little bit of a feel for some of the things you should consider before you decide to take more of your services, more of your software into the cloud. So it will help you make a, a sound decision rather than just doing it without thinking or just not doing it without thinking. Yeah, that's right. And perhaps before we move on, Gihan, we should probably explain why cloud computing has the word cloud in it, why it's referred to as cloud computing. How did that word get into the phrase? Well, actually, I would like to know myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, the, the reason for that is that historically on network diagrams, the internet was depicted in those diagrams as a cloud. It's this big nebulous network, uh, which has no structure that you could easily draw. So a cloud was typically drawn in the diagram, and so that's where we get cloud in cloud computing. Right, okay, I, I didn't know that. Okay, so perhaps well, let's, let's do this as pros and cons, Chris. Let's talk about the positives okay. first of cloud computing, and then we'll move into some of the disadvantages or some of the, so just some of the traps to be aware of. Well, how about I start with uh, one of the big attractions, for business at least, with regard to cloud computing, and that is the reduction in cost of using cloud computing services versus having to uh, buy, maintain, um, license, install your own software. So if you buy some software, you have to install it on your computers, you have to run it, configure it. Um, if there are problems, you have to sort that out and then you've got to own the machines on which it's running. So there are a lot of costs involved in the traditional software ownership model. Whereas with cloud computing, all that is handed over to a third party and then the only costs involved to someone using that service is the cost of, say, renting access or leasing access to that service, which is much lower. And in some cases, the services are provided free because uh, the service provider's business model might be based on something else like advertising as part of providing that service. Right. And when you say cost, we're not even, we're not even just talking about the price of the service. So it's not like whether you have to buy a copy of Microsoft Word versus paying a monthly rental fee. There are real costs associated with the 
the, the computers, the servers, as you said, uh, maintaining them, having IT support staff to, ma to manage all of that, those are real costs, aren't they? It's not just pricing. Yeah, time costs, uh, personnel costs, and money costs. That's right, the whole gamut. And and one of the things that's, um, that flows from that is, of course, when you have somebody else managing that, then upgrades happen automatically, and they're automatically available to everybody who's using that service. Uh, backups are done in one central place, and so you can be... Um, assured that your data are safe without you having to, without every user having to back up their own data, and there are all these other things that that help save time and money as well. There is a flip side, of course, to having a third party um, um, owning the software, and perhaps we'll, we'll we'll touch on that when we come to the cons section of today's podcast. Yes, and there have been some stories recently about um, disasters or. or problems that have happened in the cloud and it's actually led, led to people losing data. So we'll get to that. Um, I guess yeah, the, the, the biggest advantage, Chris, seems to be just the whole idea that because your information is available on the internet, you can access it from anywhere. Uh, some of the things that I mentioned earlier, you don't have to copy stuff from your network onto a mobile device like a laptop or an iPhone or something or a Blackberry to take it with you anymore and then synchronize it when you get back. It's already available out on the internet. So you don't even have to think about trying to organize your material. It's just instantly accessible. Okay, and as you said, as, as you alluded to, there are some problems with that. So let, let's talk a little bit about some of the some of the downsides of that. Actually, before we go on to some of the, the cons, if you like, or the downsides, um, what do you think are some really good examples that people would recognize of cloud computing that works really well? That work really well, there'd be um, many of the services that Google offers, like Gmail is one that's probably most familiar to people. Uh, then people have probably also come across Google Docs, which is like um, an office suite, a word processor, a PowerPoint presentation um, program, a, um, a spreadsheet program. So all of these are offered uh, via uh, your browser, that's Google Docs. Apple, Amazon, for instance, are offering a storage service, which um, if you've got large amounts of data that you want people to be able to access over the internet, then uh, you can use Amazon's storage service. And um, so rather than you having to purchase hard disks or access to uh, a, a server farm somewhere, you can use Amazon's, I think it's called Amazon S3, which is mm. their storage service. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, I've even heard, Chris, mutterings about um, music being available through the cloud where you rent music and uh, you pay per play. So rather than buying a, tr buying a CD, which is the old model, or buying individual tracks, which is the current model, we'll get to the stage where you don't buy anything. You don't own or download anything. It's just that you've got your iPod out with you and when you want to play a song, it actually download or you play it from the cloud. Yeah, just like a streaming model. Yes. Is that what you're describing, Gihan? That, yeah, I have heard I have heard this pay for play idea. And I think one of my one of my two thousand and eight predictions when I was whinging about DRM, I sort of conjectured whether this is this was the way that we would eventually go, that once broadband access access was ubiquitous, that anywhere, anytime you could get high-quality broadband access, then there was no, no, no need to carry around your music tracks on a little hard disk in something like an iPod. You basically just stream them from the cloud um, and you essentially just 
paid as you listened to the track, so you just had access to a vast library of tracks rather than having to buy each track that you wanted to, to listen to. And that's one of the things I think that makes people a little bit uncomfortable. It, it feels you feel like when you own something, it's yours and you can do whatever you like with it. Um, but as soon as you are renting it or paying for it every time you use it, you just feel a little bit a, a little bit of a sense of loss. I think. And you do, and you do lose something, don't you? Because there's and this is something we'll touch on in in the con section. There's there's no guarantee that whatever service you've subscribed to is going to last forever. And perhaps there will come a time when. A service folds, and you can't listen to that uh, that track that you particularly love. Um, that's right, and, and that I guess leads into one of the one of the stories that started us thinking about this as a topic for the podcast. It was the story about Google, uh, perhaps because of the economic downturn, or perhaps just because they were rationalising their services, decided to stop or change the way that they were offering some of their services, which were previously being offered and being used by users all around the world and suddenly they've decided to change the way they're, they're offered and of course that led to a bit of an uproar and uh, it seemed to be one of the problems with using the cloud. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a bit of a storm in a teacup but it did illustrate precisely uh, the point that we're trying to make. Um, so yeah, a few of their, their web services or their, their, their cloud computing services, I think in a couple of cases they decided that they weren't going to do any further development on one of, on one of them and another, I think that was the Notepad service, wasn't it? Mm, that's correct. Um, so there's like a notepad like you have on Windows, you have the notepad program and editor, and then there's Google Notepad, which is uh, like a, a note-taking service for when you're browsing. But it was interpreted that these services were going to disappear, which wasn't the case. Um, they're just going to stop development in certain instances. Uh, they were still going to be available. But nonetheless, even though this is not what Google was going to do, this is a risk with cloud computing. There's always the possibility that um, the service the service provider will have to close down that service due to financial circumstances or for some other reason. And this is uh, particularly so because a lot of the business models are based on providing these services, services for free um, with advertising as the way that they generate revenue. And uh, with the current economic downturn, it's predicted that that revenue stream is going to start drying up and a lot of these services that rely on advertising for their revenue are going to cease to exist. So that puts some of these cloud computing services in jeopardy. So let's, if, if you take us back to that CD music analogy, what it means is that if you have a CD, you can always play it, even if the, the record company that produces that CD goes out of business. It doesn't matter because you still have the CD. And like the, the analogy would be that with cloud computing, you won't. If you have the pay-per-play uh, model, if the provider is no longer in business, then you'll never be able to play the song again. That's right, unless you can find uh, another service provider who uh, has that track in their library. Okay, so definitely that's one of the problems, that you're a little bit at the mercy of the service providers. Um, the, the other sort of, the, the other big issue which concerns a lot of people is the whole idea around security and privacy, because now you're sending information not just, you don't just have it in your office or even just in a private network, but now you're making it available over the internet. That's right. So in a lot of cases, the, the data, that uh, the information that you're using as part of one of these services, you need to upload that to the service provider's website. And once you do that, then again, you're at the mercy of the service provider that your data is going and information is going to be stored securely, that uh, some, uh, some nefarious character isn't going to come along and, and make off with your precious information. Um, 
and that or that they or that the service provider isn't going to knowingly share that data with third parties, uh, possibly without your consent. Although of course they're legally obliged to, but unless you've read your user license agreement uh, closely, they might be um, actually permitted to do that. Yeah, and again, that that issue came to the fore very recently uh, when Facebook changed their terms of service and that caused a bit of a, again, an uproar which again turned out to be a little bit of a storm in a teacup, but it did raise the issue that you again as a user are a little bit at the mercy of what the, what the provider decides to do. Uh, the same goes with Google. A lot of people are using Gmail, and so have tons of private correspondence, uh, tons, uh, terabytes of private correspondence are held on Google servers. Um, and really, we're at the mercy of Google doing the right thing when it comes to holding our uh, holding our information. There have been stories about how online shops have been hacked and hackers have been able to get access to credit card information. What a lot of people don't realise is that the, the, the most vulnerable area is not when you send your credit card from your computer across to the to the online shop. Um, and people think that that's it, and that's why they want to have a secure server and they want to have the padlock on their browser. But most of the hackers, um, they don't try to capture that transaction. What they do is they hack into the server where all the data is stored and they steal thousands and thousands of credit card numbers in bulk. And things like, and government agencies have also lost a lot of uh, public records through the same uh, through the same way, and uh, even through their own employees being clumsy, like losing laptops that have got uh, important information on them, uh, and then that information getting out you know, or getting getting into the black market. Yeah, exactly. And I think in the UK they've just they've been through a spate of. Uh, public servants leaving laptops or zip drives or USB drives on trains <laughs> on their way home. Yeah. And, and okay, so that's clumsy and you can, you can do, you can institute procedures that will stop that from happening. But I think one of the fears about cloud computing is that no matter what you do or what procedures you put in place internally, there, there's always a danger that someone will get to your data because it's no longer your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the other thing that comes to, comes around with this, Chris, and you mentioned Gmail and I mentioned Facebook, is the idea of ownership. So we kind of assume that we're using these services and the software is owned by the provider and the, the service is owned by the provider, but the information is owned by us. And yet there's some legal ramifications there which haven't really been thought through yet. That's right. The, the Facebook terms of service um, change recently brought that issue to light, didn't it? Because they were claiming that even if you closed your Facebook account, that any um, pictures and so forth that you'd uploaded remained Facebook's property um, indefinitely. Um, and when it when it was sort of thrashed out, it was it was clear that they were just trying to continue. It was because that they didn't necessarily have the kind of control that would allow them to delete everything once your account was closed. But nonetheless, um, yeah, the, the terms of service allowed them to hang on to your data indefinitely and do with it essentially what they pleased. Um, and the same goes for Google. That there's, I'm not sure what their terms of what their terms of service say with regard to what they're permitted to do with your data if you're using something like Google Docs or Gmail and so forth. Yes, and I guess the issue is that there's some use which we'll deem as reasonable use and there's some use which most reasonable people would cons would think is unfair and there's no distinction between them. Like the Facebook example, if you had a copy of pictures that I've published to Facebook and you put them on your Facebook profile and if I close my account, 
should you still have access to those pictures? And I think Facebook is saying, well, that would be reasonable for you still to have it. Um, and so they were trying to extend their terms of service to make that legal. But people mm -hmm. assumed that Facebook was trying to use the pictures themselves and so they'd, they'd be able to claim ownership and use it in any way they chose in the future. Yeah, okay. Shall we move on to service reliability? Do you yes. have some of the issues surrounding what happens when software is no longer being run by your desktop PC or by your own servers, the kinds of issues that arise when the service is being run on a server somewhere out there on the Internet? Yeah, go, go ahead, because I think this is, again, a concern for people because they feel like there's a potential for them to lose control and lose access to their data. Well, there are, there are two components to that. Firstly, there is just access to the internet. If you're using an internet service provider, sorry, if you're using a cloud computing service provider, then clearly you need to have um, high quality internet broadband access to that service provider. So uh, if the if your internet access goes down for whatever reason, then you can find you are cut off from whatever service or data it is that you want to use from your from cloud computing. And then the second component is uh, what happens when the service provider themselves uh, encounters technical difficulties. If their servers crash for whatever reason um, or they become overloaded, then again, that's going to affect uh, the reliability of that service being delivered to you. Yeah, and you know, that, that first one, Chris, about the internet service provider possibly not being not giving you access, that's, I guess that's the main reason why I have resisted using a service like Gmail for my main email application because I have a lot of stuff that I do by email and it's nice to have it all on my computer and I can search and access and archive and delete and do anything I want anytime I want and I guess put it on into the cloud into Google's hands. I'm not worried about Google, I'm just worried about my connection to Google. Yeah, and I think Google have recognized that because they've just introduced an offline mode to Gmail whereby um, some amount of your of your folders and email is cached locally on your PC and then if there is an interruption to their service then uh, you can get by for a while until service normal service is resumed as they say. So yeah, that, th those issues obviously are a worry for people as you've just mentioned uh, in your case and Go Gmail or Google are trying to address that through adding on uh, uh, some kind of robustness to their to, to things like Gmail through caching. Yes, and we're talking about this in early 2009, and maybe in 18 months' time, there will be people listening to this podcast going, "Oh my God, I can't believe it was so that reliability was so much of a problem in those days." <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. I, I, need, I guess we need to get to the stage where um, it's like the electricity supply. We don't really take any take into consideration whether we should buy an electrically powered device uh, versus, I don't know, a pedal powered device yes. because we can rely on, you know, because the electricity is like is, is, is utility. So once the internet is like a utility and it's, it's always there, you flick a switch and you can rely on it being delivered uh, at full power all the time, then uh, things like caching and offline modes are going to be needed if we want to safely use cloud computing services. That's right. So, let's, so t taking your second component in that analogy, it would be so the electricity is reliable now, but maybe your electrical appliance, like your washing machine, will break down. And I guess that's what you're saying, that sometimes a cloud computing service might break down. And there was a recent example, Magnolia, I think, where uh, there were a lot of people using that service and they thought it was a, um, a very safe, secure, reliable, robust service, and it turned out to be not at all. And they, they had the disaster, which is 
their all their servers crashing and losing all the all their clients' data. That's right. That was a catastrophic data loss, wasn't it? They uh, a failure. They they recovered, but they lost some data. They didn't just sort of disappear for a few hours and then normal service was resumed. They actually could not recover some of uh, some of their clients' data once they got services back up and running again. Yeah, and I think it's one of the other things that people are concerned about is that if you hear rumours about somebody's service reliability, it doesn't necessarily mean you can take all the stuff off their server and then quickly transport it to somebody else, uh, again, you're a little bit at the mercy of how reliable they're going to be. Yeah, so that's something that I would probably look for in a, a cloud computing service is the ability to have my own copies of stuff for exactly that kind of contingency. If if the service disappears overnight because they can no longer get enough revenue to keep alive or they have a catastrophic failure where they haven't been doing their backups properly then I want to know that I've still got a backup copy of my data somewhere that I can upload to another cloud service um, should I need to. Yes, and I guess still, again, I take going back to your analogy about electricity again, we're still at the stage where we, we feel the need to do that because it's yeah. it's like saying that, I guess the analogy would be that instead of, like you have all your documents on your computer, but you make sure that every night you print out everything so that That's right. if your computer crashes, at least you've got the printout. And you mean you don't do that, Gihan? <laughs> you mean you do. <laughs> Um, so I guess we're still at the, in these early stages, and so some of these things that we're doing are temporary band-aid solutions, but prudent things to do, simply because we're not yet at the stage where wireless is as, yeah, or internet access in general is at the same level of reliability as electricity, certainly in our part of the world, um, and the services aren't as reliable as you know turning on a television screen and assuming that it's going to work. Maybe now is a good time to to assess. Like, what are some of the things that we can advise people uh, to consider before considering whether they should jump into cloud computing? Is it something that we should just leave to the early adopters for the moment, or is it something that maybe we should be dipping our toes in the water even now? I think that there that um, there are some services that people probably can uh, use cloud computing for. And it really depends on, on them. So for a lot, in a lot of cases, I would recommend people use Gmail, for instance, for like their casual personal email, um, but not if they rely on it for business, like uh, the example that you gave us, Kihan. So that's you know a service that's uh, quite reliable. I think there was an outage sometime last year, and that was quite remarkable because it's backed by a huge company like Google, which has enormous computing uh, resources. Um, and they've got this offline mode now whereby you can uh, use the Gmail service when it's off, when uh, there are interruptions to your internet access. So some, I think some services are, are ready for, ready for prime time. Um, but perhaps there, there are probably two, two things that people need to assess when, when thinking about using a cloud computing service. And the first is how would they handle situations in which things like they haven't got internet access for a day or the server goes down that's providing that service, how would they would they be able to cope with a temporary loss of service? And the other question would be to think about what would happen in the case of the service disappearing completely. Then would they be able to recover from that and start up elsewhere? Do they have backups of their data that enable them to, to go through that recovery if they've got information or, or services that are vital to what they're doing? I think the key point you're making there, Chris, which which I fully agree with, is that you take a two-tiered approach. So one is be reasonable and assume that the service is going to be reliable most of the time and say if if that's going to be the case, 
and there's only the occasional outage, can I survive? And if that's the case, maybe that's all you need to decide whether or not to go ahead with it. Um, but also then take the worst-case scenario um, approach and consider what happens in that worst-case scenario and make sure that you've got processes in place so that if you do go ahead with it, you're still able to recover um, and recover in a reasonable time from that worst-case scenario. Yeah. Because I, I have a feeling that this is just going to be in inevitable, that soon it won't be a question of whether we whether we use cloud computing or not, more and more services are going to be available on the cloud, and that may be the only place where they're available, and uh, certainly the better services are going to be available that way. And uh, I don't think it'll be very long before this podcast becomes obsolete because we won't even be questioning whether or not we should be doing it. It's just a question of what we should be doing. What's your What's your feeling? Would you like us this podcast to be obsolete sooner rather than later? Like, are you optimistic about cloud computing becoming as reliable as electricity, or not? I think uh, in Australia, I'm going to have a political gripe here. Um, I think we've got uh, there's a lot that needs to be done to our internet um, infrastructure, our broadband infrastructure in Australia, in order for broadband access to be as uh, ubiquitous and reliable as things like electricity, water and gas, for it to be a utility service. Um, so that infrastructure needs work, at least in Australia. Countries like Korea and the United States and Japan, they have uh, broadband, enviable broadband. Um, but I think the service providers, I think they're, I think they're moving ahead of uh, the infrastructure provision. I think Google, uh, this is where Google are, are going to head, and I think there are going to be a lot of services made available by the big players like Google in the near future, and that's it. That's something I'm looking forward to. Okay, and I think you made a really, really important point very early on, Chris, which is worth coming back to, and that is the business model that's underpinning some of these services. Um, a lot of it's based around free service or very low-cost service, uh, but really based on advertising as a revenue model. And if the economic downturn continues, particularly in certain sectors which advertise a lot online, then it may slow down the development of some of these services. So some people will be reluctant to get into it, and some of them who are already players will find it difficult to continue. So and I think that might be a big factor more than even the technology and the politics behind it. I'm sure the early adopters I will, will jump on the bandwagon and already have, and uh, it's going to be a while before we say that this is going to be as common as ground-based computing. <laughs> That's right. Not in the clouds on the ground. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so thank you, Chris. Um, look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, Gihan. Speak to you then. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time. <laughs>